All right. Thanks for joining us here again. My name is Chris Creech. I've got Jeff Stott and Dr. Jeffrey Bingham, who Jeff will introduce in just a second, and then he'll introduce himself a little bit. If you didn't tune in last week, um, make sure that you go back and watch that as well. We talked about salvation, and that's uh, what we're going to continue talking about as we talk about our core beliefs. Um, but if you didn't get to see last week, I highly recommend it. Dr. Bingham did an excellent job speaking about salvation. And um, when I was looking into some of Dr. Bingham's messages and, and things like that, I found a spot where he was talking about evangelism, which is the sharing of the gospel. And he said, evangelism is nothing more than teaching the Christian language to the unbelieving world so that they can ultimately place their faith in what the scriptures declare about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is absolutely what he did last week. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you heard that last week. If you're not a Christian, that's a great thing to listen to, just to hear, hear it presented so simply, but so well and so thoroughly. So we appreciate you being here with us again this week. Uh, Jeff, you can, you can take it away now. Okay, so last week we actually uh, answered the big, the big question was, what is salvation? And, and so, and Dr. Bingham walked us through some key words to help us understand what self, salvation is um, and did a really good job in the short period of time that he had. And because uh, the bottom line is, I mean, we could have classes just on the topic of salvation. I mean, it's just it's almost endless. And, uh, but then we also addressed last week, um, you know, when to, to experience salvation, you know, is it faith in Christ alone or is it faith in Christ and something else? And, uh, we addressed that question as well. And so, uh, and today we are going to talk primarily about, can we lose our salvation? And if we can, how does that happen? And if we can't, why not? And so, uh, so Dr. Bingham, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you the, the question and let you run with it and uh, we'll see where you go with it. So, uh, so can we lose our salvation? No, <laughs> that's okay. our podcast. There we go. Okay. That's right. it. Thanks, Thanks for guys tuning for tuning in. in. I will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the deal, uh, Dr. Bingham. The, uh, the reality is that um, I've, ha I've got friends, you know, and, um, and, and, and they know the Bible. And then I've got some who don't know the Bible. And they believe that, you know, for one reason or another, you can lose, you know, your salvation. And we've had conversations about that. And so, uh, and, it, and this subject comes up on a regular basis and uh, in our ministry. Uh, and so just kind of walk us through your thoughts on the whole, oh, wait, wait, I forgot to do something before we dive into that. <laughs> <laughs> In case you weren't with us last time, this is Dr. Jeff Bingham from Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And, um, Dr. Bingham, what do you do there? I'm the uh, Dean of the School of Theology and uh, Professor of Theology. So I teach, uh, our, uh, our basic overview uh, theology courses, and then uh, do some doctoral courses uh, on uh, the history of theology, particularly focused on the early church, uh, the second century and forward. And specifically, the reason why we have asked Dr. Bingham to join us is because of what he teaches, and that is theology. 
and and that's what we're talking about the doctrine of salvation part of the one of the subjects in in theology so all right now back to the question all yeah. right so can we lose our salvation so l- let me address it with the two biblical words that uh, that speak uh, immediately to this question uh, the word uh, sealed and the word kept sealed and kept um, those who want to argue that salvation can be lost usually begin with a premise that we talked a little bit about in our last session. The premise that human beings actually have something to contribute to salvation, rather than salvation being entirely a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2. The the, the issue is, is that if you contributed something to salvation— then if you stop making that contribution, or if you start making the wrong kind of contribution, that uh, salvation is removed from you, it's taken away from you. The Bible talks about salvation, however, in uh, in in the manner of emphasizing that God is the one who gave salvation to us, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about one of the blessings that we receive immediately upon belief, and that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it uses the language that we are sealed by the Spirit for our day of redemption. The, uh, the concept of sealed here is, uh, is language that we would use uh, uh, for today of, of a letter, uh, how we would uh, lick the uh, uh, the envelope and uh, and close it and uh, and seal the letter inside the envelope. And in the days of Paul, he's probably thinking about something like a scroll that would be wound up and then would be sealed actually with wax drops uh, to which uh, the uh, the emblem of the sender contained on the sender's ring uh, would would be impressed so that the scroll could not be opened while it was being transported uh, and could only be opened by the recipient who had to go in there and break the seal. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that we are sealed with the Spirit of God until our day of redemption. Nobody's going to open us up. Nobody's going to crack our seal. And so when God, by his mercy, forgave us of our sins, which Ephesians chapter 1 also talks about, and when God, by his mercy, uh, gave us the Holy Spirit, uh, those benefits, those gifts, are sealed within us by the mercy of the Holy Spirit. So, no. The first answer is we can't lose our salvation. We can't lose forgiveness of sins. We cannot lose the, the guarantee of uh, the indwelling of the Spirit. We cannot lose the promise of ultimate resurrection 
and glorification and eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit has sealed us into that. Secondly, we turn to the Apostle Peter. So it's not just the Apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, that addresses this question, but the Apostle to the Jews also addresses this question in his first letter, in his first chapter of that letter where he tells us that we are kept by the power of God. That term kept can be variously uh, translated. I prefer the translation kept. But if, if I can, if I can just read this passage from, uh, from 1 Peter. Uh, verse 5 of, uh, of, of chapter 1, who through faith are shielded. The NIV uses the term shield who are shielded or kept by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's the exact same idea that Paul communicated back in Ephesians chapter 1. Here the emphasis is upon God's power. Omnipotence. By omnipotence, we mean unlimited power. The unlimited power of God is guaranteeing that we will continue in the forgiveness of sins. We will continue with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We will continue in that until the ultimate day of the return of Jesus Christ when he brings us in to the kingdom of God for eternal life. Peter uses some other terms in the same chapter to emphasize this. Verse 3, for instance, Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, now get this, I love this, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. And so this inheritance, this ultimate eternal life into which we have been born is kept, shielded, and sealed for us by the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit. So since God gave it to us, God in his unlimited power through the Spirit is the one who's responsible to keep it. And we are told in Scripture by both the apostle to the Gentiles and the apostle to the Jews that God is keeping it for us. No, but we cannot lose it. You know, <clears throat> um, when uh, I first got saved, you know, um, I, I was not raised in church. I wasn't raised around the Bible and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I remember when I started studying the Bible and reading it and learning, um, you know, I did think that there was some way, I mean, I had no theological basis. I just felt like I could lose my salvation. You know, if I, if I wanted to, if I sinned enough or did the 
if I did the right sin or the wrong sin or whatever it is, or if I, you know, whatever, you know, in my head. And that's just kind of where I was at. And, um, and then somewhere along the way, uh, Dr. Bingham, you know, in our previous episode, you'd walk through some key concepts of salvation, you know, like forgiveness, um, justification, you know, sanctification, glorification, and a whole bunch of other, uh, other words. And, you know, and when I started learning what happened when I got saved, you know, I thought, okay, if I can lose my salvation, what that means for me is that somehow I have the power to cause myself to become unforgiven, unadopted, unredeemed, unjustified, unsealed, unkept. Un- I mean, just whatever God has done in my in this work of salvation, you know, somehow. <laughs> Little old me could undo all that, you know, and um, uh, and that was a freeing and securing moment when that began to dawn on me that okay, yeah. you know, uh, I am I'm a follower of Jesus, but and I, and I still stumble and I still sin, but I'm still part of the family, you know. I'm still I have not lost my salvation that Jesus bought for me, and. Yes. Um, yeah, man, that's a powerful, powerful thing. Okay, so uh, before I um, continue this conversation about losing salvation, Chris, you got something? Yes, yeah. Um, so speaking about losing salvation, I don't know where Jeff's going to go with this, so he might be going in the same direction as me. I don't know. Um, uh-huh. We do get that question a lot. Um, and honestly, Jeff, you were introducing it earlier, and, and this is a very strange view because I've noticed it even – oftentimes denominational lines are drawn along theological boundaries and they're, they're drawn over salvation boundaries. But sometimes this idea of losing salvation uh, crosses within the denomination. So I've seen, you know, we're all Baptists and I've seen plenty of Baptists that would say, you know, yes, you can lose your salvation. So it's a very strange, um, uh, it's a strange topic, I think. But uh, what would you say to someone, because we've heard this question as well, that says we might not be able to lose our salvation, but what if someone is, say, uh, becomes a Christian at 16, they they experience salvation, or at least they believe they do, and then choose later in life to reject it? Did they lose their salvation? Did they ever have salvation? What would you say in that in that situation? First of all, it, uh, it, it is a real thing uh, that people are told by somebody else that they're saved when they're not. They're told by somebody else that they believed when they didn't, and they live on the testimony of someone else until, uh, until that wears off. And uh, uh, they realize uh, that, uh, they, uh, that they never did. And so that... Uh, and they even fool themselves. And so, yes, that, uh, that's a real thing that happens. People are told by others or convince themselves that uh, they did when they didn't. Um, it, it, it's also true that people who do believe uh, during uh, their life, uh, they do experience doubts sometimes doubts that are so deep that uh, they convince themselves. Or, as frequently happens, 
a quote-unquote brother or sister convinces them that they don't believe simply because they're struggling with doubts. So let's, let's be real here for a second. Believers that are growing in Christ are also growing in their faith. And having doubts is not a sign that you don't believe. We even hear this language in the Gospels from the disciples. I believe, the disciples say, help my unbelief. Right? And so... Uh, just because a person is struggling with doubt uh, is no indication that that person doesn't believe. But sometimes, cruelly, with cruelty, uh, someone who identifies themselves as a brother or sister will, uh, uh, will tell someone who is struggling that they can't possibly believe or they would never have asked that question. They never would have struggled with that doubt. And, and that's just unmerciful. That's just unkind. If a person is struggling with a doubt, the very fact that they're struggling is probably a very strong sign that they believe or else they wouldn't be struggling. And so can, can a person who is a believer uh, in this life, while they're awaiting the return of Christ, go through some experience, uh, perhaps an experience in which they deeply prayed for something, and God did not answer that prayer, and they go into a dark, deep hole of despair. Can, can they convince themselves, or can they live in a manner which is contrary to the way in which a believer uh, who is by the power of the Spirit obeying the Bible live? Yeah, they can. But uh, a person who authentically believes by the power of God, a person who is in reality indwelt by the Spirit of God, a person who in reality is forgiven their sin. This person who experienced true salvation upon God-given true faith, such a person doesn't lose their salvation. Struggle, doubt, enter into moments, hours, days, perhaps even years of despair, oh yeah, but lose their salvation, no. That's a fantastic answer. I, I really appreciate you going into that. Uh, before I kick it back over to Jeff, um, if you are watching... Oh, several years ago... Um, if you are watching, yeah. we are having some yeah. internet issues. Uh, so it is on our end or Zoom's end, not on yours. So keep watching. The audio sounds fine. just might be a little yeah. bit delayed. All right, go for it, Jeff. Yeah. Yep, okay. Um, so several years ago, um, I was a youth pastor, and, uh, and there was uh, one of the girls in the youth group went off to college. And while she was in college, she started, she called me up, and she was struggling with, 
she was starting to doubt her salvation, you know, and it had a lot to do with what she was doing, you know, her behavior. And, uh, and so we talked a little bit about that, but I, I share with her this verse and this seemed to help her. And maybe if you're listening, uh, this can help you as well. Um, so in first John chapter five, verse 13, um, John writes, he says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, let's stop there for a moment. He's writing to believers. Okay, that's key. Those who believe in the, name, uh, on the, in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. It's almost like he, was, he, was, he wrote First John to help those who struggled with, yeah, I believe, but I'm struggling. Do I really have this? Do I really have what you guys are telling me? You know what I'm saying? And so I told her, I said, look, I said, one of the ways your confidence in your salvation will begin to grow is to get into the word. That's the bottom line. And when you start understanding what really happened inside of you and what God did for you and what you did not do, <laughs> um, you know, the, your confidence in your salvation will become stronger. And, but if you're into the word, you also might realize I'm really not saved. I didn't place my faith that may come to a realization uh, to you. So um, anyway, and I have, yeah, and I have found that has been very helpful uh, in counseling folks that are struggling with this question, especially if they're thinking I, I've lost it, you know, and they're not sure, uh, especially when, when they're already a believer. Um, all right, Chris, how much time we got? It's a good question. Uh, a little over 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. We have talked uh, about can we lose our salvation? And the simple answer is no. Okay. So um, uh, now the question that we're going to end this episode with on is so, why do I need salvation to begin with? What's the big deal? It's because uh, you're lost. Uh, or as uh, uh, the Bible uh, might say, that you are, uh, uh, you are under the judgment of God. Um, in Romans chapter 3, uh, Paul provides an extensive list of just how bitterly, how all-consuming, con uh, 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 our sin is, our unrighteousness, uh, our iniquity, all of these terms that the Bible uses for sin, our transgressions. Uh, Paul emphasizes the degree to which we are a wicked and evil race. Humans are a wicked and evil race from the inside out. And uh, uh, because we are corrupt from the inside out, uh, because our corruption from the inside uh, influences how we think, how we feel, what our motivations are, and ultimately what our actions are, we are under the judgment of God. And that judgment is... Uh, uh, is eternal 
condemnation, uh, in uh, the fires uh, of judgment uh, for, uh, for eternity. That is the penalty, that is the cost of, uh, of being such wretched creatures because our wretchedness comes forward in our acts of sin and evil. And so if we are going to be delivered from that judgment, if we are going to escape the fire of God, uh, if we are going to be reconciled to a God who now relates to us as though we are his enemy, and the, the, the biblical text, Paul actually uses the word enmity, which indicates a relationship where we are in a relationship with God as his enemies. Although he is our creator and we are his creature, although he deeply loves us, uh, we are related to him as an enemy, or we conduct ourselves inwardly and outwardly as evil, wicked sinners who transgress and break his righteous law. So it's our condition. But we don't need salvation because of anything about God. God doesn't need us to be saved. God is going to be just fine. God is completely self-sufficient. So he doesn't need us to be saved. We need to be saved. And so God, although he considers us enemies, although we have disregarded his righteousness and offended his righteousness and are under his eternal judgment, he's an amazing, loving God. So we need salvation because of who and what is wrong with us. Um, okay, so, uh, all right. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left, so I am about to ask you a loaded question. <laughs> and um, it was given to me by uh, someone that I've had numerous conversations with uh regarding this whole sin salvation you know god and and all of this and so here it is and just do the best you can and um because i know it's loaded <laughs> um if god would allow sin to enter the world knowing what it would do to people why should they, the people, be blamed or punished for the sin nature within them that causes them to sin, but yet God allowed it to come in. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Do you understand the question he's asking? Sure. Okay. All I right. Do. do the best you can with that. I know it's huge, but uh, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So we have to we have to go back to the uh, to the Garden of Eden to understand the entire birth uh, of uh, of sin. God allows it. Uh, God allowed it, but God didn't do it, nor did He introduce it. 
the uh, the acts of the man and the woman in the garden are acts of complete free choice and uh, uh, and completely self willed uh, that they enter into sin completely in and of their own actions. And so God allows it, but God didn't inaugurate it. God didn't introduce it. Humanity uh, not only is, uh, is condemned for its own willful acts, so the willful acts that I do in this life I am held responsible for, but because I am a human being and part of the family initiated by Adam, I carry his sinful DNA within me. I carry his brokenness within me. This is what Paul works out in the fifth chapter of Romans, that Adam's sin did not only affect himself, but affected his entire race. And so, yes, I am condemned because of what we call original sin, the sin that took place in the garden. That is something that I am responsible for because it dwells within me just as surely as it dwelled within Adam. But I'm also held accountable because of the choices that I myself, independent of Adam, have made. I carry Adam's DNA in the same way in which I carry the DNA of my earthly parents. And so there are things that I suffer with in this life which give me certain propensities in terms of my health, uh, in terms of my appearance. Uh, it's the same with my relationship to Adam. Because I am a human being within the line of Adam, I suffer not only from what he himself passed on to me, but from what I myself do. God doesn't make me do anything. I have certain propensities because I am related to Adam, but I make all my choices myself. And so every transgression, every sin, every act of evil that I enter into is because I chose, just as Adam and Eve chose, to follow and to give way to whatever propensities lurk inside me, which is why Adam is the first Adam, but Christ is the second. And when I was born again, as Jesus teaches us in John chapter 3, or as Peter teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 1, when I was born again, I was born into a new human race. A human race that is now begun not by Adam, but by Jesus of Nazareth. 
And so I am now associated with both. I am associated with the first Adam, and I'm associated with the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And slowly but surely, by the mercy of the indwelling spirit, the first Adam is being done away with inside me. He is being killed off. His DNA is being cleansed from me just as surely as an antiviral medication will eventually get rid of the coronavirus within us. And so the Spirit is cleansing me from the dirtiness, the sickness that I continue with because of the first Adam. And he is giving me ultimately, and it will be consummated on the day of glorification, when I will totally be associated with the humanity of the new Adam, in which no more of the old Adam will remain. And so all the choices I will make from that day following will be in keeping with my new nature, which has now become totally mine, while the old nature of the old Adam has been done away with. Well, I'll tell you what, I am looking forward to that day of glorification to where I don't have to deal with my sin or anybody else's. You know what I'm saying? Mine too. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> All right, Chris, um, anything else before we wrap it up? Nope, that's it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bingham, uh, for uh, joining us to last week and today. And um, hopefully, uh, if your schedule allows, we may uh, contact you and, and carry on some other conversations down the road. Uh, if, uh, if you uh, feel free to do so, we'd love to have you. That'll be my joy. Thanks for awesome. having me these last uh, two weeks. And uh, it's been uh, my pleasure uh, and my joy to be with both of you. So nice to get to know you guys. And I pray the Lord's blessing on your ministry there at uh, Genesis. Thank you so much. All right. Lord bless. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week.